Hi, and welcome to the Brooklyn Symphony Orchestra podcast. I'm Felipe Tristan, associate conductor. And the clip of music you just heard was Symphony No. 3, Eroica, by Ludwig van Beethoven. Today, we're happy to have Alex Kale, president of the BSO, to talk about our recent trip to Mexico. Later, we will talk to violinist Andrew Wessling, who is one of our newest members in the orchestra. Welcome, Alex. Thanks for being here. Hi. Nice. Thank you for having me. How are you today? Where are you from? Let's start right on. I'm good. Um, I grew up in Long Island. It's right outside of New York City. Well, near the airport, JFK. Uh-huh. And did you start in music in Long Island or later yeah. on college? I grew up, um, they had a very good music program on Nassau County. That's where I'm from. Um, around fourth grade, they introduce you to instruments. They like show everything possible. Then you get to pick one. And you chose a cello right away? No, I did not. I <laughs> fell into peer pressure and f- chose the saxophone with all the other boys. Oh, the saxophone. Um, Alto sax? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I did that for one year, finished it. Uh, it wasn't my favorite. I, d- I just didn't like the vibrations <laughs> in <laughs> <laughs> on your mouth with from it. the reed. Yeah. And then the way the music rooms were, they were split in half. So like the strings on one side and the wind and brass on the other. And you can kind of see the strings. And for some reason, the string uh, classroom was just decorated nicely and, and warm, a little more. It was more inviting. Yes, definitely. So I just had this longing like all year, like, Ugh, I, I want to be in the nicer room. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the year was up. I was able to switch. And um, I chose the bass because uh, I was one of the tallest children in the school. Oh, so it, it, so the it bass, was a nice fit. Yeah, I, I was able to actually reach around and fit it and play it. For how many years did you play the bass? Or how all, long? All through like fifth grade up until college. Uh, wow. Uh-huh. That, uh, wow. So can you, if you were to pick up a bass now, well, right, could you? I would. It would take probably a little bit of time to like remember like fingerings and mm-hmm. what things are. It's the same. It's me. It's the same movements, but the fingers are different. Like there's no third finger in, on the bass unless you go really high. Wow. So you clearly have been involved in music for your whole life. And so, what's what you were growing up? Did you grow up playing in in youth orchestras or private lessons? None of the above. All of the above. What's the story? I did them all. Um, so. Elementary school, it's a typical, like, you just go to lessons and have a little bit of, like, you know, elementary orchestra, you know, all that easy stuff like Anderson. And um, I remember my teacher saying, like, I was getting better and better. And I was actually at one point giving up my lunch hour to practice the bass. Oh, wow. So I, was, I guess a bit of a music nerd. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So you you were determined. Yes. I, like, I really just, like, really took to it. I was, like, obsessed. And I even was able to borrow another bass and bring it home and leave it at home because you know you really can't go back and forth to school with the bass so did i assume um, i i gather you didn't necessarily have pressure from your family that you must do no, music anything like that it my, was it came from you both my parents are not musical my grandmother really enjoyed music she introduced me she, she was russian so she would introduce me to like russian music wow so i got a lot of um background there uh-huh. And just did did she play an instrument? No, or? just more just putting on music and making me dance <laughs> to like yeah. kind of like Russian folk music. Wow. So what does uh the Russian composers mean to you? Um, if anything special. I do love like I do love them more. I do love romantic error. So like that happens to fit nicely. Tchaikovsky and then later Shostakovich. Um, All the way to like Stravinsky and or yeah, more. It, more it modern. took a while to get get used to like Stravinsky. 
that was more like when I got older to appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, when you're younger, Tchaikovsky is very uh, opening, like very welcoming, you know, like right to listen to. Right, right, right. So you uh, grow up, continue playing the bass, and then when does the cello actually happen? By high school, I started private lessons on the bass, and then I joined a youth orchestra, which is totally outside of public school. So like it's a typical youth orchestra, you have to audition and join. Um, so that was every Sunday. We would drive up to a, like a, a college on the North Shore with, where they would have um, rehearsals, and that became very challenging. That's where I was really introduced to all the huge classical works that you just never play in a public school. Did you have to audition to get to this program? It did, yes. Uh -huh. Yeah, so that was like a typical orchestra for, you know, with additions and seating. You know, like they tell you where to sit and everything. And then Nassau County itself has lots of um, festivals. So they have String Festival and then they have All County. And I was also doing that at the same time. which is, I was really challenged musically throughout the year. But unfortunately, in high school, in public school, it was super easy because it's... Most students are not that into it. So it's more like, oh, I need a credit and I'll just take music. So not everyone was at the level I was performing at. So high school music class was pretty boring for me. So one day... It was I, too easy for you. Yes. You had the drive. And, yeah. Wow. So I just remember looking at the cello in the bigger orchestra, like, you know, youth orchestras, saying like, wow, their parts are so much better than the bass. <laughs> and I was like, I was jealous, you know. Wow. And did, did that teacher say, wow, hey, you got talent for this. You should change to cello. Or did it come from you? Well, with, we, the bass teacher was, you know, like a really good bass teacher. Like, what, like someone, he had a waiting list to get on. So when he saw the cello, he was like, what's that doing in the living room? <laughs> <laughs> I almost had to hide it, you know. So I really didn't get, I didn't fully switch until after college mm -hmm. and joining the BSO. The way I joined was I actually sold my bass to get a cello. Really? So I had to trade in the bass and, and make that jump. And also it's just much easier to get around Brooklyn with the cello. Well, that's an added benefit, of yeah. course, of course. When did you move to Brooklyn, to New York City? Uh, I graduated college in 99. So right after college, I went home uh, while looking for a job. So it was pretty e It's like a 45-minute train ride. Uh -huh. So I was able to find a job, start working. In New York City? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I found a job in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. I uh, was commuting from Long Island with living with my parents. Nice. So, so yeah, with a with a train is so yeah, it's yeah. not too bad. And then after this job in Manhattan, then what comes next? And I moved in to Brooklyn with my high school friend. Mm -hmm. She was already living in Manhattan, but it was getting. She wanted to save money, so she together we found a place in Brooklyn. Ha! Huh. And so Brooklyn Symphony comes to you, and things change. Yeah, so that gave me a little more structure. Every week, now we have rehearsal. Now I have something to yeah, actually you need practice. To practice yes. right. And so, um, you you went to college for just what? Uh, international business, international marketing business. Wow. And there was no music there. And I understand you're an engineer. Yeah, web development. Wow, what a what a complete education. Yeah. So this is your nineteenth year yes. with the BSO. Yeah. How how does that feel? Did it did it go by too fast, or you didn't even realize? Looking back, yeah, I think it has gone fast. Like, you don't realize the, how, right. the, how the years go by. <laughs> and this is your first time as president of the PSO, yeah. correct? I've been on the board for a while now. Uh, I, I just thought maybe now it's time. And I was asked, and I You were asked agreed. to yeah. be. And you've been doing a great, great uh, job. It's been 
a busy year for the orchestra, in particular this year that we had our first trip, international trip to Mexico. Can you tell us about about this? Yeah, it was very exciting. Um, if I don't know if our listeners know, you you came up with the idea with uh, our trip to Mexico, right? It just sounded like a fantastic opportunity with having a contact there, so we know we know where we will play and we have some guarantees. And then just to have the cross cultural exchange was a great opportunity with the conservatory. And then right. the fact that you are Mexican yourself and you would be conducting it just like everything kind of fit together. Uh, right, right, yeah. right. And so are there any particular mem- uh, memorable performances that you can think of that stay with you? Um, for me, I guess it would be Beethoven's Ninth at Brooklyn College. So there's a lot of room. We did a full chorus down in front of us on risers and we were behind them. To play that piece alone that is... That piece alone yeah, is it, It's really hard to play because you got to get so many people involved, soloists, chorus, and, and you know, it's just the full works. <laughs> All the parts. And I I believe the cello and bass parts yeah, are And then we have like the, probably the best part. Well, in my view, we, I love our part that we, <laughs> we get to play. I think the piccolo part is better, but okay, yeah. that's up for the bass. But, you know, we get that famous <laughs> Ode to Joy melody. Well, that is truly a, a memorable performance, Beethoven's Ninth. So I normally love to ask if you didn't play the cello or the bass, <laughs> what instrument would you play? I always find myself looking over to the oboe woodwind section. Oh. There's something I just love about the oboe and the English horn. Like, <laughs> wow. I, Very specific. Yeah. I, I think it's the parts they play, like kind of really pierce over the orchestra and they get some great solos. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think I first recognized, well, the oboe came to my world, my viewpoint, uh, in one of my um, all-county concerts, which is like a festival. It, they, they bring many students together from different uh schools together mm-hmm. like you practice the parts in advance and then they get for like a three-day festival concert. and then there's a big concert almost like what we did in mexico okay um so there we played sound sounds um bacchanal and, oh with big oh, yeah with that like intro. little chord in the beginning and then out of nowhere like this oboe solo I'm like i just remember thinking what is that instrument you're like cause <sighs> i was getting introduced to all these pieces and, and instruments uh-huh. that didn't exist in public school yeah, yeah. So you hear that beautiful solo on the oboe. What about the aesthetic and the subjective part of music? Those elements of things being vague and not for interpretation, how does that lack of specificity have informed your other more specific areas? Well, currently I, I do web development, which is like coding, engineering. And, um, and specific. Yeah, so... In one way, it's the, the language, like it's like a tool, like or, or like any language, Spanish or English. Like you have like a set of these are the things you can use, like verbs, nouns. Uh-huh. But to solve the problem in, in engineering, you have to put them together and be creative and, and find the solution. So I think there's, there's a connection one. with music, like here's your seven notes and you got to kind of put them together. That's, I guess, more for composing, but um, for playing, it's more like... Okay, these these are the notes on the page. How do I physically and make or make a phrase of it? Yeah, what yeah. has more importance so like, than the other? Yeah, the beginning would be the fingering, and then okay, mm. how do I make it sound better? <laughs> how do I mm-hmm. phrase it better? So it's like layers. And the other way around, how does the scientific part of the areas you do? How do they inform your artistic sides? 
and music specifically. The engineering coding side, you have to see patterns to solve sometimes the problems, which mm -hmm. I see also in music, there's patterns. Like, I can correlate like patterns for fingering. Like Sometimes that helps you see a better way to get around and, and move and, and achieve. So perhaps like, does it help you analyze and like understand the large scale form of a piece? Yeah, for example? and maybe it teaches you how to look at things from a different angle. So thank you very much, Alex. It's been a pleasure to have you here today, learn about the work you do and the work you do for the Brooklyn Symphony Orchestra as president of the board. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. And it's been nice having you today. Yes, thank you for having me. It's been great. We are back in the studio and we're happy to welcome one of the newest members of the orchestra, violinist Andrew Westling. Welcome, Andrew. Hi, Felipe. How are you? Very good. It's great having you here today. So let's go. Where are you from, Andrew? Uh, I'm from Oregon. Um, my hometown is Beaverton. Um, that's kind of associated with the Portland area generally. So I sometimes say Portland, but Beaverton is my technical home. Um, I'm also... I went to school in University of Oregon in Eugene, so I'm just like Oregon bred. Okay, so when did you start playing the violin? I started at age seven. Um, it was in a music camp uh, in the summer. My brother was in middle school at the time, and there was a band program with middle school, so he was being sent to music camp for the summer, and my parents were thinking... To what instrument? He brother? played the trumpet at the time, and he actually ended up playing the bass, the guitar, mostly after that. But um, anyway, he was sent to music camp, and my parents asked me, would you like to go too? And I said, yeah, of course. And there was a violin program as a beginner, and I had seen some violinists in some shows that we'd gone to as a family, so I thought that looked like it would be fun. Um, so that was in the summer, and then after the summer, the elementary school had a, an after-school program, and then I enrolled in that for three years. Um, and that teacher was the same from both the summer and the after-school program, and she became my private teacher. Um, her name is Su Suzanne Gay. She's in... Beaverton. Um, Shout I, out to Susan Gay. Yeah, she's Hello, really teacher. great. Yes. Um, so I studied with her as my first teacher, and we did recitals and things like that. And then when I got into middle school, she was also the teacher of the orchestra in middle school, um, and she sort of like groomed me into a you know orchestral musician. Um, she, as a sixth grader, she put me as the principal second violin just to kind of learn how to lead. Wow. Yeah, and I was I was doing that for the first year, and then after that, I was the concertmaster of the orchestra for two years. And that was super fun. So I gather that you were actually really into the violin. It's not like your parents forced you or anything. No one forced me. It was uh, totally my doing, and I really enjoyed it. And I still do. I mean, I mean, it was. Uh, I had my grandmother actually, who was always helping me practice and being really like involved. It was a Suzuki program, so parents were very oh, involved. Oh, very good. And she would, you know, come to my lessons with me and, and help me and, and, you know, kind of make sure that I practiced too. Not that I wasn't going to practice, but she kind of enforced the, like, do the exercises. Okay, we're going to play that again. Make sure that sounds good, you know. Is there anyone else uh, other than your brother that is musical in your family? Interesting question. Not directly. My, my grandfather um, was a trombonist in the band when he was in, you know, college and high school. And actually, I do attribute some of my music interests to him because in his life, he actually was a hardware engineer for for his, you know, his career. And then after that, he got into software as a retired person. And then he would write software in his in his room and listen to classical music. Uh -huh. So we ought to mention that Andrew is also 
uh, software engineer. And so you are actually very um, methodical, or at least your social media shows that. <laughs> For those listening, Andrew has two accounts, one which is his personal account, and you can find all sorts of information there, and also a practice Oh, how, what would you call this I second account? I haven't quite termed it yet. It's uh, it's called anti-performances, like uh-huh. like not performances, <laughs> and it's deliberately raw and deliberately unfinished and deliberately like underdone. It's lo-fi on purpose, and it's really just to be like you know, practice isn't always pretty. You have to get through it. You All have kinds to learn of it. Things happen. You may show frustration. Or achievements. Your camera may fall off the Your wall. Your camera may fall and break. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be funny. You need to eat something. You 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 know you're eating chips in your practice session. Stuff like that. Like I literally record all my practice just so I can watch my own technique because I don't have a teacher right now. Um, I'm an amateur. I don't have time for everything. Um, so I I use the videos just to like watch my own technique and make sure that I'm not developing too many bad habits. But keep track. That's very smart. A very smart use of of uh, social media. Right, but I wanted to do something with that stuff and I didn't want to just hold it for myself and I felt like there's little clips in here that are kind of funny to share and people want to know like, oh, you're playing the instrument, well, like, let's see it. Right. So I, I thought, you know what, I'll just make a little anti... Anti... Anti-performance. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's silly. I don't know. I'm I'm not totally confident in it yet, but I don't tell people to look at it or follow it. It just is a discovery only kind of thing. And now that it's here, it's going to be visible. Well, so there you have it. Now follow nervous. Andrew on his oh, social no. media I didn't tell it. It was sleep I said that. I didn't say that. (laughs) Anti-performances on Instagram. And so BSO, you moved to New York City when, why, and how did the BSO happen for you? Great questions. I moved to New York City in 2015, and it was for a job. Um, Like I said, I'm a software engineer, and I... I was courting this company that is a it's an architecture website and I thought this is a perfect mix for me I shouldn't like I shouldn't deny this or turn this down I should like look into this so I was you know talking to this company telling them I'm a software engineer and I'm interested in working for a software company that deals with architecture so I ended up moving here for that job that was so a, you are an engineer and you're also an architect. I'm not officially an architect. I studied architecture. You can't call yourself an architect until you're licensed. So not even oh, people working me. in architecture. It's okay. Not even people working in architecture can say that as far as I know. I'm not 100% on that, but I'm pretty sure you can't call yourself. It's like being a doctor. You can't call yourself a doctor. Not officially, but you know all the... I know things. I know stuff. I like to, especially in New York City, there's so much to look at here and there's just so much you see that's like... I imagine it must be fascinating to walk the streets of New York. It is. It really is. And and there's a lot of things you can just like learn, but like looking up, you're like, wow, why are the buildings step back? And then you learn that there was one building in New York City that like set up all the rest of the buildings because it was so tall and so wide that it like made shadows everywhere else. That's 120 Broadway. Um, this building is like it's stupid. I don't want to talk about it too much, but wow, that's okay. what I learned in architecture school. So, so <laughs> what about what about the paths in which your uh, engineering background make, uh, meets your architect meets your violinist and all of the above? How what what's the resulting part? Oh, there's oh, the result of there is a lot to say there. I think. I grew up in the orchestra, right? And the orchestra is a mix of so many things at once. It's like you're playing your part, someone else is playing something completely different, but it all works together. I see that in buildings. You know, buildings are like a complex mix of of structural systems, of building services like heating and air conditioning and things like that. It's like a mix of design that's like, what does it look like? How do people feel when they're in it? 
Um, it's a mix of like what is the cultural significance of this building, and there's, that's all in music too. You know this. There's a function, but also there's an aesthetic. Yes, and there's element, an, and there's like details that are sometimes unresolved, and sometimes purposely unresolved, and sometimes there's things for you to fill in yourself. All of those things are in both the music and the architecture, I think. And then I needed a, a, a career, so software is also like a thing I've always liked because my family has been in technology, and I've always liked that. So. You know, moving into software, there's a lot of those things happening as well. There's just like systems, literally systems, like talking to each other and exchanging data, and then people are using these systems, and then they have a feeling that they're using it, and then they're they're frustrated by it, and then you're like, well, how can we make this better for them? And it's all those things are are kind of connected. I'm not sure how to. It's kind of like an ongoing pursuit of mine to figure out how those things all connect. But uh -huh. it's my life, I guess. I don't know. How do you think uh, music has helped you be a better engineer, and or architect, if Ooh. at all. Interesting question. I think the- Does it humanize you more? I Yes, I think it does. I think everyone should play music as a child. I'm not sure what the right place for that is, but you should. I think everybody should have some experience playing with other people because you learn a lot as you're, you're collaborating on something, you're, you know, you're, you're trying to follow the, the whims of somebody who's got a vision, you're trying to like make something real, you have something to show for it. It's also very ephemeral too because it floats away after it's done unless you like make something of it. But there's still this process that you have to go through and I think there's a lot of value in that. Um, but I, I'm lucky that as I, when I was a kid I got to play with orchestras. I, I was in youth orchestras in Portland and, and those really informed my, my sort of upbringing. I think one thing it did teach me is how to like follow somebody you know, like having a, a sort of vision from the top down that says, mm -hmm. this is what we're doing. And, you know, even if you don't like it, you still have to do it. Go with a plan. You have to go with the plan. And you have to, like, fit into the, the mix so that you're not standing out. I think that's, like, another thing I like to do a little more is kind of stay stay under the radar a little bit and try to not stand out too much. But also, like, be an individual and don't be, you know, don't mm -hmm. be a, a drone, really. I'm not sure what the right term for that is. but How interesting. Know. Because in my view... The, you have the full spectrum from engineering, which is scientific, then a little more artistic architecture, a nice middle point, and then fully artistic music. So you have that that spectrum. I'm, I'm really so lucky. intrigued by by this. Yeah, I'm really lucky. I, I I just I mean, even the engineering that I do is pretty human. I I work on user interfaces, so like what people are clicking on, like what they're thinking about when they're doing it, like. I like to like brook it into phases, kind of have the violin phase of my life and the architecture phase of my life and then the software phase of my life. And now it's coming back with music. So, so I want to ask you one question. If you didn't play the violin, what instrument would you play? Oh, gosh. Um, so I have a few answers to this. Uh, one of them is if I was still playing a string instrument, I think I would play the cello, actually. Although, there is a caveat, after moving to New York, I feel like I do not envy cellists for having to carry a cello <laughs> throughout the subway or through anywhere, because it's just another layer of, of things to think about. Um, but I love the sound of the cello, and I didn't even know what it was until I got into the orchestra, so that would have been a good choice. Also, if I was playing a wind instrument, it would probably be the horn, because you get so many... You get so many options. You get to play Strauss. You get to play Mahler. You get these huge mm -hmm. horn calls. So you gra are gravitating towards lower pitch instruments? Actually, maybe. Yeah, I didn't really think of that. But I guess the horn, the horn's kind of both. Yeah, also, yeah, I think I wish I had learned to play the piano when I was younger because I think, you know, the piano is kind of the like, not to make a pun, but black and white music. It's like you get everything at once. You get the like, you know, you get every note you hear, you can make chords out of it a lot easier. The piano than... is a key instrument to oh, learn. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you so much, Andrew. It's been a pleasure to have you here. Not only are you a very nice person, 
you are one of the fresh new faces in the orchestra. It's always nice to see new members uh, in the orchestra that are so uh, eager and enthusiastic as you are. So welcome and thank you for being here today. Oh, thank you too. And it's it's really exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to many years in the orchestra and playing some great music with you all. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks. Please visit brooklynsymphonyorchestra.org for more episodes of the podcast. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Audio support by Joey Glick and Plush NYC. I'm Felipe Tristan. Thank you for listening. Thank you.